Hello and welcome to Rearview, the show where we get to chat to the fascinating people from the motoring universe, learning how they got to where they are today. I'm Andrew and this is episode 33. We are on to part two of my conversation with Shami Kaura, the founder of Omologato Watches. Let's continue where we left off, which was just after he told us how exciting Formula E is. And I also, again, because I'm involved and I'm at grassroots level, is the GT4 series. So I was involved with with Akira Cost last year. I work with mm-hmm. um, Alistair uh, McCaig, who races, for, who actually his father owns the name uh, Akira Cost, and Alistair's a great racer. And he was involved in GT4 last year, did really well in the McLarens. Um, and this year I'm I'm involved with Brookspeed and the the Porsche GT4, and then the Freddie Hunt driving for it. And honestly, if you look at the the grit these races have. And, and the passion that the people who follow the series have, it, it feels fresh. There's no, there's nothing snobbish about it. There's nothing pretentious about it. It's just racing. And, and I, re- I really, really like that kind of racing. So GT is another one that I'm really, I'm involved with anyway, but I'm, I, really, I really do go out of my way to make sure I watch it every weekend. So it's the GT4 European series that I'm watching at the moment. So... Okay. So yeah, those are the two I would say. I tried getting into British touring cars, but I I, I don't know anymore about British touring cars. I think um, I, I mean there's obviously loads of fans for it, but I, I last year I was involved in it, so I, I watched it a bit, but um, that's still not engaging me this year at all. Okay. Okay. But yeah, Formula E, love it, and everyone should watch it. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Well, that's we, we we thoroughly endorse that on uh, Rearview and on the Motoring Podcast. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Good, good. And Amologato backs it big time. So yes, it's something. <laughs> I put my money where my mouth is. So it's not a question of oh, you know, let's just see whether we can do something with it. I actually started engaging and loving the sport, and then I actually we went out and started looking for something to do with it. So I put my money where my mouth is, and uh, and if I like something, I'll do it. And if I don't like something, I'll pull out straight away, or I'll pull out after the season or whatever you know but this mm. one i think i'm going to be in for the long haul because i i can see massive amounts of value with it i can see massive amounts of you know customer interaction i want to invite some of my customers to a race as well when it comes to london next year again or there's talk of it coming to london i want it to be in the Molagato pavilion where all my customers come along well now that now that the roads can be shut yes yeah and it's not those three people in Battersea with a dog that might get a bit upset because there's more people on their dog walk yes, or yeah. whatever the nonsense was. Oh, God. Yes. Um, yes. Because yes. Alan's been to that one. I think Alan's been to Paris. He's been, uh, yeah, he's been to the race in Paris. I think it was as well. He's been to a few of the races as well, and he said it's just a, it's. He said it's great to be there as well, not just watch it on the telly. No, it's one of no, those right. events that you get you, you can get really up close to everybody. Yes, yeah. Like um, I said, it's which, inclusive. I've never been to a race before, so I'm I'm gonna go this weekend. I really love the engagement that they do. You know, as you were saying it before, the the fan boost and all that. It's everyone appears to be really happy that they're doing these things mm. as well. It's not as though, oh right, the uh the media consultant has said, I need to tweet out now. Let's put out generic tweets <laughs> with my face and maybe an emoji. You know, there's none oh, of that. It all, I think it all comes some, across as very real. Some of the teams need to stop with the gifts and the sort of banter because it's almost becoming cringe where it's like two uncles having a, uh, a drunken conversation on a, at a wedding. It's sort of becoming a bit <laughs> embarrassing. But it's, it's not natural, do you know what I mean? And, and, I think, yeah. and I think whatever happens in Formula E, 
it's only because everyone's got a lot of energy, even the organizers. I mean, I, I did a tweet from my personal account the other day saying I'm looking forward to the Formula E this weekend. And Formula E, FIA Formula E official Twitter feed with I don't know how many thousand followers sent me a message back saying we can't wait to see you either. Now, you tell me, if you said, oh, I'm watching the Formula One, and I can't wait to go to Silverstone this year. Do you think you'd have a chance in hell to get a reply back from at Formula F, at F1? Never. you will <laughs> never get a reply. So that's how involved they are with people who like what they do. They, they, don't, they yeah. don't take it for granted. They appreciate it. And as a sponsor, for me to have that inclusiveness is really important because we're yeah. an inclusive brand. And, and that, to me, it works really well, you know, so... So, so that's why I'm involved, and that's why I'm falling in love with it, big time. And yeah, this weekend will be my first race that I've been to actually see. So it's going to be, it's going to be it'll quite. Be, it'll, it'll be um, great to see your journey there, and yes. what you think of it in in the flesh. Yeah, it'll yeah, be, it'll be cool to watch. From, yeah, well, we're going. You know, I won't be at all green-eyed, but you know, <laughs> <it'll> be... <laughs> I, I, like I said, I think I'll be a rabbit in the headlights the whole time. The one thing I um, am looking forward to is I'm a member of the club in Monaco. Um, again, long story as to why I got it, but it's not an expensive place. But you have to wait 15, 18 years to get in. But I got it in three months. Um, is that they're going to be having some exclusive evenings there. So I'm running live feed on my Instagram, on the Amalgata Watches Instagram feed. So if anyone wants to watch that, they can... They be, can I'll be furiously... Uh, yeah, so if, if you that. want to just link to it, press the button. I'll be doing loads of Instagram live stuff this weekend. Some of it, you know, it will be behind the scenes rather than what you see on the TV. So it'll be, there's a party tomorrow evening, a drinks party with everyone's going to be there. Um, uh, everyone meaning all the races, all the team owners and all the other people around. I think Mark Webber's coming. Um, um, he comes across as quite a cool dude. He's really I nice. I had dinner with... Uh, stop me if I'm name-dropping. <laughs> <laughs> I had dinner with him in December and I'd only ever met him once before and that was at a lunch at the BRDC probably 18 months previous. And he says, I remember. And, and I met him in a pub near, near my house because um, Adrian Newey lives around the corner from us. So they often go out around here. So you see them at this particular pub. And I always make myself known. I always say hi to everybody, you know, pretending that I know them. And I see Adrian Newey at the Waitrose because he shops at the same Waitrose as me. So it's surreal. <laughs> but I went up to Mark Webber as again as a sort of a fan and said, oh, God, I love what you think. Because I know you and I know you don't. He goes, yeah, no, no, I know you. And I know you don't. He said, I saw you at the pub. When I was with having lunch at Christmas, I went, ah, do you remember that? He said, I'll never forget a face. So, you know, he's, <laughs> he's a nice guy. It'd be nice to see, to, seeing him again tomorrow. And the guy who's working with me used to work with him when he was at Red Bull. So it's going to be more than just sort of, hey, can I have a selfie? Do you remember me sort of thing? It'll be, it'll be yeah, a yeah. bit more involved. And, and I'd like Mark to get more involved in my brand um, once he's, you know, off the Porsche thing. Um, which, you know, brand associations last for a long time, especially with Porsche, they probably will. But it, once he's not involved with that anymore, it'd be nice for him to sort of come along because he's shown an interest um, that, he, you know, he might come along and say, yeah, I'll, I'll start doing stuff with you, which would be really cool because I do a That'd lot of stuff awesome. over in Bathurst as well, you see, in Australia. Oh, and, I love that yeah, race. So the, um, oh. with Brookspeed, they had a GT4 race at Bathurst this year. And I, came, I think it came second and third in their class. So it was a really, really good run for them. And we're we're all aiming to be at Bathurst next year, so um, you know, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to sort of build up to having Mark do something with us. But let's see. I don't know. Th mm. There's no agenda, but he's going to be there tomorrow night. So I'll be doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff with Instagram Live, so you can see what I can see and what I get up to 
um, rather than you know what you're allowed to see on the TV, if you like. So that's that's what I'll be doing. That's my focus tomorrow and the, over the weekend as well. So it'll be cool. So with with the uh, with the company, yeah. Um, obviously, you've got this this massive tease July. Yep. Of which nothing can be said. Nothing. Uh, and you've got you're waiting on the go ahead for the thirties. Thirties um, has been designed like we like I told you it, it was a tough yeah. one. It's gone to his family. He went to his family this morning um, for them to have a look and, and sort of give me their opinions of what what they think to it. And once they give me the go ahead, then I'll hand it over. This has to be done carefully because I don't want to come across as somebody who's trying to make money on the back of somebody's misfortune so yeah, John, you know, no i mean you've yeah. been asked i mean that, that that's it i mean that is the danger as well yeah isn't it? I, I, is, I you appear want, as though you're trying to cash that. in or yeah something. exactly i mean to, to also to, to back that and something probably everyone should know is that the profits from this piece are going to go to the henry surtees foundation anyway so i'm not making any money out of it Right. So okay. all the profits are going to go to the HSF Foundation. So well, that's that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, because it's. It, I was going to do something. And with, sounds like it feels that that feels right as well. Yeah, but I was going to do that anyway. I was going to make uh, a piece for their July the eleventh carting. I believe it's July the eleventh uh, carting um, thing that he does every year, the HSF uh, carting challenge, I believe it's called. And I was going to make a one-off piece. I wanted to do it, and I said I'll donate it to the charity. You can auction it off. It'll be the only one mm. in the world. And that was the that was the original idea. And then he said, what about spinning it off? And I said, yeah, I can spin it off if you want, but we can start off with one and then go from there. I think now with with obviously what happened in March, I think a lot of people want to want to be able to remember him and remember what he did. And so mm -hmm. I believe for the benefit of the charity, instead of me just doing a one off piece, it would be better if I did. Actually, I'm going to do just a limited edition of just 100 pieces. So um, so anyone who wanted to, to well wanted to buy something that was as a tribute to him and at the same time helping the hsf foundation it um it works nicely do you know what i mean mm, so yeah. i'm not doing this because i'm i want to make money out of it i'm doing this because i want to do it and i was and i started it with him and i wanted to finish it and when the yeah. family asked me to finish it that's when i thought right this is the right time to do it so um it took me a good eight weeks maybe nine weeks designing the watch and getting something at the end um, uh, it's the sort of piece I would buy. I put my I put my money to it and say I want that. And mm -hmm. um, and if I saw it for sale, I would have it. And and that's generally how I work out whether a watch is good or not. If I sit back and say yeah, I'll have that, then yeah. then I think right, it's going for sale. <laughs> and if I think oh no, I'd never buy that in a hundred years, and it doesn't go up for sale. Um, <laughs> one of the biggest one of the big examples is Marinello, the watch that um, that I that I launched. Um, I think it was. I think it's February or March. It's a pre-order one, which is coming in October. Um, Marinello took me seven months to get right. I kept on getting the designs and putting them together, looking at them, standing back for a week, going back to it, thinking, oh, I wouldn't buy that, I wouldn't buy that. And then in the end, it sort of came to me. And then, uh, and then I went back to it a week later. I thought, yeah, I still I really want that. And then I showed it to a couple of Ferrari collectors, and they both put their orders in immediately and said, yep, I'm up for that. Actually, one of the guys I did show was Nia Khan. <laughs> Pri oh, yeah. privately I messaged him and I said listen I want to ask you a question uh, would you have a look at this and um, so I, I I said right every time I show a watch design to somebody it's almost like not being crude or anything it's almost like pulling your pants down on a first date and you sort of stand <laughs> there thinking you don't know what's going to happen 
And and that's every time I show somebody a watch like that, that's all that goes through my head. It's like, but that that's a designer <laughs> thing, though. That is a designer thing because you've you've put so much into it. Yeah. Um, you know, whoever the design is, I mean, again, in an incredibly small scale compared to that, is whenever I was doing stuff when I used to work in an architecture firm, and I go to the client and go, right, here's the th- you know, you've given me the brief. Here's my yeah. thing. This is what I've created, you know, I've drawn as a result of what you said. And this is why I think it'll work, you know, the story and all that. Um, But, you know, you don't know whether they go, that's just awful. (laughs) You've not listened to me. Or they go, brilliant. Excellent. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it it is a very, it's a very raw uh, moment Ah. because you, as you say, you are fully exposed. Yes. Yes, you because are. you can't. You you desperately try not to take it personally, but you can't help but take it personally. Well, if you've got a team of designers who are you know, twenty people designing, and then they churn out something and it's rubbish, you don't take it personally because then you fire it over to them and say, "What the hell have you done?" Whereas hmm. if you're doing it and you're sitting there watching YouTube bloody all night until midnight every night, um, or, or, or sitting there and you've got twenty different versions of the same watch, it confuses the hell out of you that you throw the whole thing away and then start again. You know, which is actually what I did with the Certes one. I spent uh, seven whole days doing nothing but designing the first one, and then when I looked at it to, about a week, ten days later, I thought it was absolute rubbish, and I threw it away and started again. So, literally fifteen hours a day, seven for the whole seven days. Obviously, doing a little bit here and there, but it was totally focused on that. I threw it away. Uh, went away on holiday, came back refreshed, thought about it again, started building up the story behind it, and and now I think I'm ready with it. Um, but the Marinello was very. That was a really, really tough one to design. When you look at the design now, you probably sit back and think, "Well, what's the big deal?" Well, the big deal is you have to get the whole story of 1961 Ferrari into it. Mm. And, you know, you don't want, in my opinion, there's nothing, I, I don't know, I mean, there are people who are out there who probably own them, and, and this is just my, obviously my personal opinion, but I don't like manufacturer's watches. And if you just put a three-pointed star onto a watch or, you know, a Ford logo or a Ferrari logo onto a watch, it's just a bit of merchandise. It, it's not, it's nothing real. Mm. Um, so Maranello had to make had to make sure Maranello firstly captured motorsport, and secondly didn't just look like a manufacturer's bit of merchandise. And so building the story of that watch up, um, which I did, and then I built it around the whole of the 1961 Formula One season. I built the story into the watch, um, built the story around the watch actually. Also built the watch around the story actually. And then when I when I was finally ready with it, I do show a few people who have got a little bit of knowledge of the subject matter that I'm doing. So mm. Can-Am, I showed to a couple of guys who were involved with Can-Am and Can-Am Design, and they loved it, and it sold really well. Indianapolis, I've got a couple of friends who are involved with IMSA. They put deals together with drivers over there in America, one in Detroit and one who lives in Carolina, South Carolina or something like that. Um, and I showed them, and they said, yep. Indianapolis looks amazing. Same with Laguna Seca. Not many people see them before they go out, probably about five people. And then when I launch it, I just sit back and I close my eyes for an hour to see what, what people... And then, and then I come back and think <laughs> what, what people have seen and whether they... And then it, it turns into sales. And if it doesn't turn into sales, then you've got a failure. But touch wood at the moment, and I'm not sitting on my laurels because you can't, but I haven't had a failure yet. So um, no, it does sound like you you uh, 
I'm not sure agonise is quite the right word, but pretty close to it over every little detail. So I think it would be... I don't think it would be through lack of effort that something didn't succeed. No. and the, Yeah, I, I suppose I don't think right. it would be because you're being sloppy and just went, oh, I'll just chuck something out, if you see what I mean. Yeah. It's not... A, no, oh, I've never no, done that. I I've got the name. There. Oh, whatever, go on. Then You know, it's, uh, you know, I'm a bit busy. I'm going to go on holiday. Oh, this will do. You, it doesn't appear to me, no. from everything you've said, that you accept uh, this will do. No, no, not at all. Um, not at all. So I've got another... Which, by the way, is a good way to make yourself go completely loopy. <laughs> <laughs> just, just as an aside. I know. I've got, and I've got another eighteen months worth of watches, literally on on my design on my laptop, all in the process of getting to whether we got the components, whether one of them's got carbon fiber on there. So I've got eighteen months worth of watches on my laptop to launch, basically. Um, mm. uh, I'm fiercely independent, so I don't want to borrow money from, you know, the bank or in, I've had investors sort of knocking on the door saying, can we put some money into it, which would be a great way to, to sort of kickstart the company even more and faster. But I'd rather it go slowly and, you know. But you'd lose control. I lose control and I don't want to do you that. You would be answering to someone else. Yeah, and I don't and want. Someone else would yeah. be pushing you to put out yes, an inferior yes. product. And, and, that's, and money is not my motivation. So if I wanted to go out and buy the latest whatever and i needed it next week and i said i'll just just launch and get some money in and i can get 250 grand and we'll shove it in there and pretend we're doing sales and what have you i can sell myself out but i i have done that in the past and i've had 25 year old you know bank managers turning up at the office and saying oh your sales figures are no good this month what are you going to do to sort it out and you're sitting there thinking i'm busting a gut anyway what the hell are you doing in my office i never want to be in that position again ever um, yeah. and, and even my bank manager now, I don't even know what his or her name is. I don't want to know what their mobile is, nothing. And if you look at the bank charges on our ba- on our um, year-end accounts that were filed yesterday, our total bank charges were £333 for the year. Mm-hmm. And and that, to me, is is better than showing £20,000 worth of bank charges and a, and a three-times turnover. I, I don't want that. Because yeah. you, you're losing independence then. Do you know what I mean? So I'm fiercely independent. And, and if I get it wrong, then the buck obviously stops at me. And, and, that, and I'm happy with that. You know, if I get it wrong, so, I put my hands up and say, I've got it wrong. Yeah. No, well, that's, um, I mean, that's a great position to be in. Um, it's not easy. I, you know, hardly no, no, I'm not saying it's easy, but that is a great position to be well. in. <laughs> it's not been easy getting here, but it's a way that I definitely want to work, and I definitely do not want to borrow money. Um, mm. And everything that I buy, and everything that we do, and everything that we get involved in, is independent cash in the company. So it, all the stock that we buy, there's no, there's no sort of credit. There's no sort of, um, you know, we buy it. It's cash, and it's ours. Mm. And we, we put, I put my money where my mouth is. You know, so. Um, and then I want to remain like that because that way, you know, the 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 moronic petrol head inside me can keep feeding. Then do you know what I mean? <laughs> Otherwise, if you take the petrol head away from me, you're just another watch company, aren't you? So, you know, why have we got a teddy bear on one of our watches? Because well, a teddy bear is amazing. It's 1974 Hesketh. Come on, man. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if you showed somebody down the line an investor who had no idea about 1974 and the Hesketh brand, they'd be like, "What the hell have you done that for? You're wasting my money." I don't. I don't want to be in that position. So, um, yeah, you know, yeah, you're getting approval from many other. I people. don't want approval. I just want people to. Yeah. I just want people to engage. The only approval is people buying. Yeah, yeah, and 
And I keep referring to it. If anyone wants to download our accounts, you can see that people are giving this brand, this company, enough approval. Uh, not like mm. not that I'm resting on my laurels, obviously, because the press is building and building and building to get things right. And if you get something wrong, oh, second album. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Michael Jackson after Billie Jean or whatever that album was. <laughs> <laughs> so how can you top that? So yeah, it is, it is the second album thing, but um, and honestly, it is. It's engulfing me at the moment uh, with what I have to do this year. And if I get it wrong, it it's such a big limelight now, um, or a big audience. I mean, to give you an idea, on the Twitter feed, we get half a million impressions a month. Um, so it's it the audience is growing, and then on mm. all the other social media, we've obviously got a I don't know whether actually I don't know whether it's obvious, but we've got a PR company that does a lot for us as well. So there's lots of people looking at the brand, and some people want the brand not to do well, and I know who they are, and because it's quite entertaining watching them trying to bring it down the whole time. But every time it, a watch comes out, they slate it, but it sells really well. So it's quite nice that way to, to, to show people actually you know what there are better there are there are people out there who love engaging so that, that's really nice but um no it, it is like you said going back to your architecture um thing it, you know it's it's really really nerve-wracking in the beginning it was just me four watches and if i can make a hundred quid extra a month or a week or whatever i'm really happy now it's a lot more than that so yeah. um i've got to get it right in the future you know yeah so, so uh, this this is a question that's, that's intrigued me for a long time why do you think there's such a close tie between watches and and the motoring world? Well, um, I've been asked this question before actually a few times. The first time I had to think about it because I've always thought, felt it was natural. I didn't think it needed an explanation, but you're probably about the fifth or sixth person who's asked me that. So, oh, I hate being the same. <laughs> <you. Yeah. laughs> well, no, when I was first asked it, I thought that's a crazy question. What are you asking me that for? Um, but but actually, it does need an explanation. Probably, I mean, motorsport has always been against time. You always have to be timed. You always need an instrument to make sure that you're you're driving to the time that you expect to, or lap times, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's an engine inside uh, the car. There's an engine inside a watch, and they're both um, probably built to the same exacting standards. I mean, some of the movements we're moving into for next year. Uh, one of the movement suppliers. I mean, we're hoping to move to Swiss-made uh, automatic watches next year. Um, depending on where the brand and how it grows and everything else, but that's my plan. But one of the partners over in Switzerland who who is really keen to make sure that they get involved with the brand and they're part of a, a multi-sort of global organization and they make watches for a few other well-known brands and they want to make watches for me. Their movement, uh, in-house movement, used to be owned by Porsche. So... Mm. Um, uh, Dr. Porsche, when he first started, I forget the dates, but when when they first started the family, uh, one of the members of the family actually designed watch movements, and that company became it took was taken over by Porsche, and they only sold it, I believe, and I have to get the exact dates, but I believe they sold it in the mid fifties to this to these people that I'm working with in Switzerland. So, it's it's almost like building an engine for your wrist. It's almost like a little engine for your wrist. So there's precision engineering. Precision engineering. You've got parts. I mean, the mechanicalness um, of it. Do you think that that's a lot? Yeah, to do the mechanical with it, putting it? it together. One of the um, ex Formula One drivers, I believe it's Alain Prost. He actually, I believe it's him. 
I'm pretty sure it's him actually because someone told me this when I was over in Switzerland last month. He builds suspension for tiny, tiny bits of suspension for the inner workings of really expensive Swiss watches. And that's all his company does. They build isn't, suspension. Isn't Prost on Formula E? He's on Formula E, yes, yeah. Well, you, maybe you can. That's your I'll in. ask him tomorrow night. <laughs> you know, when, when, when you're hobnobbing with all the stars. He'll be there tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah, I'll ask him. But, but he, you know, he, and I believe it is him because I, um, I do so many things. My memory gets clouded sometimes, but I'm pretty sure it was him. But he builds suspension for watch cases and for watch movements. So when you buy, I mean, for example, I don't know whether it is, but let's say, for example, a Richard Meal or something of that value, it has suspension inside the case to keep it sort of, uh, to keep it obviously level when you're doing various things that you do. And so when you get a Formula One, ex-Formula One guy who's now involved in Formula E and also has Formula One parts company, also being involved in the watch business, it's all, it almost follows through. The technology from the suspension of a car I mean, I, I don't know, but I, I would suspect that the the theory is almost identical because you want to keep things stable. You're going by the Citroen ones, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, Citroen yeah. suspension. Yeah, the ones. That keep I'm awake. The I'll time. press the side button. I'm awake, so it can all raise up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then sink after two years, and you have to go and get it repaired yes. again. Yes, it's, it's leaking on me. What's going <laughs> <Yeah>. on? <laughs> and that smell of diesel. You don't worry about it. You just carry on. I remember mm. we had a CX um, lent to us over the weekend once when we were younger. Must have been an 82 or an 83, a huge, huge. It felt like we had our, our drawing room on wheels. It was that big. And all you could smell when you were driving along. You felt really comfortable, but I think we all had carbon monoxide poisoning by the time we got to the other thing because the smell of diesel was coming into the car. So well, although... My dad had one, uh, an estate one, when we were young. <laughs> mm. And uh, as you say, we were in a different postcode to my mum and dad. Yeah. And we were only in the row behind <laughs> yeah. them. We weren't in the right, we weren't right Wasn't it back. amazing though? I mean, back in the and day, it, it you know, you used to get a, whatever car you had, it was, you was all cramped up. And generally there were two or three kids in the back, maybe even four, because you didn't have to wear a seatbelt. And then suddenly you get, you come across a CX Citroen and it's like, because there were no MPVs back then, were there? So there was uh, no... The Toyota Space cruiser oh, yeah, we had which, a space cruiser actually I think which it, we, we nearly went for in 1987 awful cars read a lot that they would roll so he didn't fortunately yeah and every time we press the accelerator it, it the engine cut out so as soon as you went <laughs> over we had a i'm pretty sure it was a two liter and i used to drive it when i was 17 or 18 so 87 or 88 and every time you put your foot down literally to go fast the engine would cut out so you had to let go of the oh. accelerator and the engine would kick back in again and then you can go slowly. So, um, but that, that was groundbreaking. When we got that, it was almost, you can't believe how much space was in the back of it. You know, as kids, mm. it was almost, it was brilliant. But um, I think my first experience of proper space in the back of the car was that CX. And it was just fantastic. But the smell was just yeah, unfortunately, we, we didn't get poisoned. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> that explains a lot with me then, probably. I don't know. <laughs> but um, but that was my experience of a CX. And I, I I do have a soft spot for old Citroëns, and I really do want to buy a 2CV again. And, I, and I've been actively looking for a, a relatively affordable one. But as it, with everything, the bloody collectors have got a hold of them now, and everything's gone to a, a level which is stupid. And, yeah, and I, yeah. you know, people say, oh, Again, going back to my 911, every time I go to a petrol station and stop up, stop off, I can almost put money on it. 
people will come over and say, oh, they're worth a bit. They won't tell you how nice the car is. They won't tell you, oh, I love the color scheme or, you know, how do you drive or anything interesting. They'll just come and say, oh. Well, no, I mean, because, yeah, you're right, because the prices are so silly now. Yeah, and the thing You've is... Got, I mean, I, I sit there sometimes and and it's the mean, nasty, spirited side of me that goes, go on, have that bubble burst. Yeah. I see all these people cry who've spent <laughs> massively over the odds for a car that you've just stuck in a garage. I've never paid a premium for a car. I mean, if, if a Sierra is 50, 60 mm. grand, that's, we are in silly mm. territory, you know, and we're not even going up to the... They're not even exclusive no, Porsches. No, they're but, not. I mean, yeah. if you look at mine, I didn't buy it for anything close to that kind of because I wouldn't have bought it otherwise. I take it to the shops. I go to Tesco's in it. I'll take it for a drive on a Sunday. If I've got a meeting, I'll, I'll, I'll take, I take the dogs in it walking on a Sunday morning. But, yeah, but you like cars and yes. you use them. You're not you're not looking at your cars as a as an uh, investment no, or, no. oh, I'll, th- this, is, this is for your inheritance or something like that. You're not doing that. You go, I, I've got this car because I like this car. Yeah, exactly. And, and actually it upsets me when people only t- talk about, they only talk about the value of it. And, and you know, I, yeah. again, I don't know whether you know, you may have seen or whatever, but I've always wanted a GT Porsche. I've always wanted either a GT4 or a GT3, but I will never pay the premium on one of those because they're stupid. Um, but, you know, as things go, I've actually finally been able to afford one. Porsche have finally given me an allocation of one. And um, <laughs> and it's affordable. You know, okay, you know, it's affordable. It's it's an extravagance. It's a, it's something that I've got to do before I die, sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? And I and I don't think I'll ever have <laughs> the the position or, or the offer to get one without a premium or anything. But they the are the other day they said to me, "How many miles do you think you're going to do?" I said, "About twelve, eighteen thousand miles. I'll take it for the meetings. I'll take it the dogs for a walk in it, and all the rest of it." And I've had people offer me forty thousand pounds plus as a premium for that car, and it almost. I don't know where this it really me off that people are contacting me and saying, I'll give you 20 grand. I'll give you 30 grand for it. I'll give you 40. It's not about the money for me. Not, not that I've got loads and loads of money sitting around and I, you know, we don't, and we need a new kitchen at the moment. So that's a big problem, but you know, so we don't have, <laughs> no, you've just well, got a new car. My wife's always Googling to see how much the old nine eleven's worth. And I told her it was worth 10 grand. And oh. then she found out it wasn't worth 10 grand. So there's a lot of pressure on with that. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll just design more watches. That'll solve, solve it, dear. This watch is for the kitchen. When I'm dear. working at 12 o'clock on a Friday night, I like, what are you doing? Well, we need a new kitchen, don't we? So, so that's the conversation generally. But, you know, so but I'm, I'm looking forward to actually saying oh, this is a time in my life that I can just about afford this. I've got the opportunity of getting one direct from Porsche. I don't have to pay a stupid premium to any speculator. And it's something that I'm going to use for three or four years. And I'm going to literally use it for um, uh, and I'll probably put the company livery on the side of it or something like that so I use it as an advertising tool as well but it's something that I've always wanted to do and I've never had the opportunity if I've ever had the money I've never been able to buy one because you obviously have to be put onto a list and chosen by Porsche and what have mm. you and then when I've had not had the money actually I've never never had the money so I, I didn't I didn't go and actively look for one the timing on this is almost it's almost absolutely right because I work well with Porsche. Porsche GB, retail GB are fantastic people to work with. Um, I, I put a lot back into Porsche Motorsport. So with the GT4 series, the Carrera Cup, I do a lot for Porsche Motorsport. And I've only ever done that because I love it, not because I wanted any money out of it or anything out of it. 
And you know, mm. one of the sales guys in, in the showroom the other day, they said, we, we see you as an ambassador for Porsche because not only are you driving one and actively tweeting about it and saying how fantastic, uh, genuinely, I don't want anything from anybody. And, I'm, and I want to be independent because I know some people go out there, they'll get a car for the weekend and say, I really love this Sanyong. It's the best thing I've ever driven. And you're thinking, really? Mm. It's because you've got it free for the weekend and that's why you have to do it. And I want to be fiercely independent. You know, I've gone to, to big dealerships and I've slated them because of the way they deal with people and I slated whatever car it is. Porsche, I genuinely have a love from it because I fell in love when I was 12. And I and the way that the guys treated me when I bought my first Porsche in 2007, I fell in love with the brand completely. So I completely endorse it and I do it because I want to. So, you know, so I've got the opportunity. But that, But that's right, though. If you have a good experience... Yeah. And some may say you should have a yep. good experience, but if you, but that doesn't always it does not always equate, does it? Um, so, if you have a good experience, I think people should be complimented when they have a good experience. Yeah. And if you continue to have a good experience, then you will continue to compliment them. And it's not a, and as you say, it's not from a, oh, because I want to, you know, have a car off you for three months or something like that you know you're not doing it for that reason or you know because i want this from you or that from you you're doing it because i've had a good experience and i want to share this with people who could who could also have a good exactly and and one thing that one of the guys that porsche told me was that people still have this thing about going into a porsche showroom um and i think that's a bit sad actually because anyone should be able to go i nearly got arrested once when i was 18 and i was in my 2cv outside a porsche showroom many many moons ago and the uh, afn actually on in chiswick um and um it was about one o'clock at night and i had my nose against the window and a policeman came and i said what are you doing here you should get off the premises and i said i'm gonna have one of those he goes you'll never have one and 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 uh, yeah, oh dear. And, and, but you also had the feeling that you couldn't go into the showroom because it was that kind of sort of. So I like the fact now that Porsche want people to come in and want people to go into the showroom and have a cup of coffee. And if you're dreaming, come in and dream. Do you know what I mean? They, and if you ever go to Porsche Reading, mm. they've got the best cookies ever. So, and they're free. So just go in and get one. <laughs> and I always take pictures of the cookies when I go in there and put it in my Twitter feed because um, the guys laugh at the fact. And they're, they're fantastic cookies in there. They're all free. So go in. If you're dreaming with Porsches, go in and, and uh, but, so I like that, that they welcome people and, 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 and they want people to engage with the brand. And I genuinely engage with the brand because I do love the brand and I love every one that I've ever dealt with at Porsche. And I've been dealing with them for 10 years now in, in on a retail as a customer. So when they turned around and said to me, listen, we, we'd like you to have a GT3, I thought, well, free, great. <laughs> but um, but they, they gave me the opportunity to buy one. The finances just happened to be right at the right time. And if people see me in the car, you'll see the dogs in the back of it. And we'll be we'll be putting a sheet on the back of it. The dogs will be back. We might go down to the south of France with them, that kind of thing. That's what I'm going to use it for, you know. And, and it, I'm going to use, use it, it properly. It will, I mean, I've seen adverts where people have said you can buy a GT3. It'll be on video and you can watch your investment grow. <laughs> so, I think, and wow. that's what people do, though, isn't it? They they. I mean, it, props to the people who've come up with that way yeah, to con people exactly, out of money, but you know, you know <laughs> that you've 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 thought that cleverly. Yeah. But, uh, okay, well, you've mentioned Porsche, and you you mentioned um, 
Cronus and Cars before. Are there future plans? With yeah, that? we've got the next ones at June on June the fourth uh, at Porsche mm-hmm. Hatfield, the Classic Centre. So we're working together in the next okay. few days to let you know that's a ticketed event. Although the tickets are free, I always like to make sure I know who's coming because um, yep. I worked with another brand before who decided they wanted to do something similar to this. They asked me for a little bit of advice and then they went off independently and did it themselves and ended up with a whole lot of young kids doing wheel spins outside and the police being called and everything being shut down. So I'm actively <laughs> against that kind of antisocial behavior. Uh, I hate it. I can't mm-hmm. stand people going up and down Sloan Street, revving their engines and driving like idiots. If you want to drive like an idiot, go on a track, do what you want to do, but don't do it on a public road. So what I do actively is we sell tickets and they're free so we know exactly who's coming we have their numbers we have everything so if there's any problems or anything everyone's accountable and generally if you look at the crowd of the list of people coming they're all really cool people the names keep propping up again and again so the tickets Mm. for that event sold out in 27 hours which i announced it on a friday and they sold by saturday afternoon so that was people committing to coming. And I've asked people politely, if you can't come, please let us know so we can reissue to the tickets because I've got a wait list of another maybe 100 people who want to come. But we can only keep we can only put 200, 210 cars on site at Porsche Hatfield any more than mm. that. And it'll be chaos. So so that that's June the 4th. We've got some lovely cars lined up for that and great people also who are yet to confirm. But the, I'll announce it on social media when that happens. And then after that, the next one. Um, it's early days at the moment, but the people who want to host that one are um, a, complete, a completely different uh, type of setup. I can't tell you who it is yet, but when it's announced... Uh, oh, you, 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 you're good at well, the tears. You're good at <laughs> well, the Well, when you find out who wants to back the event next, I think everyone will raise an eyebrow with that one. Everyone will. And it's okay. again, it's an association with Porsche because Porsche have been instrumental to make sure that they get doors open for chronos and cars. And I've been working actively with uh, Simon Gardner at Porsche Retail um, uh, PR over in Reading. And he's been instrumental with making sure the right doors open. And if you, it's almost like the who's who of, of the automotive world want to get involved with this. And for me, okay, ultimately, and I'm not going to try and hide it, it is about selling watches as well. So we have a display. We have a couple yeah, yeah, of people of there course. if you want to buy a watch. But generally, it's about a social morning. So the first one we did in Reading, you got a free bacon butty or a muffin and a cup of coffee um, at Shelsey mm. Walsh. We had to pay £10 to Shelsey Walsh. So everyone paid £10. But then I paid for all the coffees. So all the people who came along as my guests, they got a free cup of coffee. So they didn't have to pay £2 at the cafeteria. So they all had to do was show their ticket number and they got a free coffee. So I like giving back as well. Mm. So it's not all about, listen buy a watch, buy a watch. It is totally a social event where some really interesting people come along. Like I told you, Nick Heidfeld flew in from Zurich uh, specifically for yeah. that afternoon in, in, in Chelsea Walsh. Um, so I, I bring some pretty interesting people who people want to talk to and obviously motorsport people. And he's got the hill climb record at Goodwood. So everyone wanted to ask him about the 41.6 um, uh, second hill climb he did in McLaren in 99. Um, so everyone, yes. for how long were your eyes? Yeah, well, he said it didn't look so idiotic inside the car, but when I watch it on YouTube, he said it looks crazy, um, and it'll never be beaten because um, 
Goodwood won't let modern Formula One cars go up there anymore because they're too fast and it's too dangerous. Mm. So they will never they will never have a car that fast up there again. So I think Nick Heifel's got it forever almost, I think. Um, so that was really nice. And a lot of people wanted to talk to him about that. So that was really good. Cool. So they're the kind of people who come along. Rather than it just being a cold car park on a Sunday morning in somewhere and everyone's looking at the latest bit of kit from somebody, I like people to turn up in 500-pound cars, 2,000-pound. It's got a story behind it. And then, by the way, you meet a 1970 Le Mans winner. And by the way, you, you know, mm. Derek Bell's going to be at one of them this year. He's already said he wants to come. Um, and he, he can't come in June. That's a definite because he's, he's doing something over it, uh, in America, but October is almost a definite. He's going to come to the October one. So where else are you going to meet? Is that, is that the one you can't, I can't reveal? reveal that one yet. Yet. Um, but, okay. but when you find out where it is, I re- if, if you it's, don't it's, raise an it's, eyebrow, it's just, I'm, it, <laughs> It's just I'm going to just sort of blank out October is what I'm doing It'll in my calendar. Probably the second, second Sunday Nobody in October. Nobody can do probably. anything. Yeah, but you'll raise <laughs> okay. an eyebrow when you find out where it is. You really will because it's okay. It's never happened there before. They won't allow it, so All you right. know. So that's the only clue I'll give you. <laughs> okay. All yeah. Right. All right. Um, well, I think this is a good time to move on to the quickfire questions okay. at the end, um, because I'm conscious that. You know, I don't want to have you completely shattered before you no, I've go off. I've got another two and, hours worth uh, of work to do, so we're good. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, and then you, then you've got to go <laughs> off and pack, uh, yeah. work. And <laughs> yes, all these yeah. other things. So, um, right, let's get started with uh, what currently excites you about the motoring world. Um, I quite like this regeneration of old ideas. So, I love Singer. And I remember meeting, I remember oh, meeting, is it, I'm pretty sure his name's Richard, in a warehouse in 2012, where it was announced on Twitter, does anyone want to come and see this Porsche that I made? And he hired a uh, small lockup in Shoreditch, eight o'clock at night, and about 50 people turned up to see the most amazing machine. And I just, I went along as well, I took my son along. And what, he, and I thought it'd just be another 911 with a bit of this and a bit of that. Um... And it wasn't. It was just amazing. He's, re- he's he's bringing back the stuff that we used to dream of, although the prices are still <laughs> we're still they're still dreams. Um, but I quite I quite yes. like what David Brown's done with the Mini as well. Although that's seventy eighty thousand pounds that car, I quite like that sort of regeneration. You know the this the the E Type um, that's been the um, the lightweight that they bought out eight of them or nine of them. I like quite I quite like mm. that. Although some purists will think, oh, we need to move forward rather than to look back. But we're looking back and not forgetting our history and giving it. But it's a celebration, isn't it? I quite like that because it's the way I look at it. And a lot of some companies get it wrong, drastically wrong. But yeah, people like Singer. You know, I'm pretty sure it's David Brown, isn't it? DB, whatever. David Brown with the mini. I like what they've done with that. It's really cool. I wish someone would do that with the Mark One Golf. (laughs) <laughs> because I, I would do anything to get a Mark One golf golf like that again. Well, I f- I fancy doing obviously with no skill, money, space, or time, um, but forgetting those small minor details. But I fancy getting a W one two four. Oh yeah, the and, yeah the coupe or the estate. And, uh, both of them are in my wish list. Just doing something with that and just going. Oh, yeah. you know that would be. Uh, yeah, improve the oily yes. bits that aren't there, but basically keep basically the shape, but maybe smooth out some of the panels, maybe yes. remove some of the chrome. Yes. I don't know. Yes. You know the way that, that the singer does that. It's you. You look at it and you go, "Oh, that's a Porsche." And then you look close and you go, "Oh, but that's that's, that's gone." gone yeah. Oh, that's and when nice. I first and then that, when that I first wings sat in the singer, now and, 
and um, he started it up. I, I couldn't believe what I was listening to and what I was looking at. We're sitting in, in this, the first car he ever made. And the materials, I've never seen detail like it on anything, on anything. Mm. So I fell in love with that kind of concept of, um, I quite like that. I know a lot of people don't like it because they feel like we should be looking forward. And to a certain extent, I do like looking forward. So I do like the, the battery-powered um, cars. Uh, because I think the, the 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 batteries have moved on a bit. So a friend of mine has made the Rimatch, which I told you about. He brought it to Windsor. That car is just mm-hmm. beyond another level, stunning, and the technology is beyond what a, you know Porsche are using his technology. He's now powering the La Ferrari, the Koenigsegg, the I-Pace program for Jaguar, all his technology. And he's the guy. He's only 28 years old, and all these big companies. Porsche wanted to buy his company, but he said no to it. So I. Oh, so young and twenty-eight years old. Yeah, exactly, and the car he's made. They sold, they sold so many cars in New York at the New York Motor Show. So the guy is—he deserves the respect that some journalists and BBC Two TV programs don't give him. You know. So um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Okay. So then, all right then. Let let before before we get down that rabbit hole. Um, what currently worries you about the motoring world? Uh, what worries me is the blandness where people are just making, they're just making things. There's no, there's some car companies who they, they do not understand that people sometimes, well, for most people, or maybe it's just for people who think like me, I don't know, but I think there are more people who think like me than not, where they just make stuff and they think people will just accept it. Um, one of the ones that, but they do. Yeah. I mean, the general motors is my key hate. I hate what they do. I hate what they do with other brands. They kill Saab. They kill. Um, they Tell kill. Me about yeah, it. I love Saab because my father-in-law always had one. Well, I've got. I've got a nine. I've got a two thousand and one wow. nine three, um, which I bought off eBay. Uh, we weren't specifically looking for a new car yeah. at that time, but it had fifty-three thousand miles on it. One lady had owned it from new. Mm. It went to the same garage every year for MOT wow. and service, and it was like. Uh, this is almost too good to miss. We do actually have this little bit of cash, so it it will fit our needs. Let's go for it. And I am I am gutted because there in our town there is one of the last nine five. Oh really? I wanted that there, which is really cool. It's such a cool car. And every time I see it, I almost have to pull over and weep because you go, that was the final throw mm. of the dice. Well, look what they did to Lamborghini. Look what they did to Lotus. Look what they did to. Oh, I, I don't know what I can't think of any other brands, but Lotus is one of the ones that's really close to my heart. I mean, you know what you know what my personal Twitter is. There's no reason for that apart from mm. the fact that I actually used to love <laughs> Lotus and I love Lotus, um, and and they almost killed it off because of their, the way that they think. Didn't, so didn't they have was was Volvo? No, that was Ford. Ford. Yeah, saying that Ford, Geely, sorry. who um, I, I don't know them, but I've heard various inside stuff with them. They have done such a cool thing where they've said, here's the money to Volvo people in Sweden. Go away and do what you have to do. And they've probably created Absolutely. one of the coolest brands at the moment. Yeah, I mean, who would say that a Volvo yeah, it's, is cool? It's like, it's, I think it's uh, one of the Tata coolest brands. Jaguar Land Rover. Exactly. That money has been it, absolutely it's, it's, amazing. It, that, that is showing how to invest and own a car yes. company. Is you go, I trust you have the right people or you will yeah, bring the right yeah. people in. We will give you money. We will well, obviously they're being held accountable because these are massive yes. sums of money, but they're going go off, do it. That you are a special yes. brand. You are not part of a conglomerate. You are a special brand. Go and do your thing, and they've done it. And they've, and I think, like I said, it's it's just brilliant to see those those three brands. I, I thought I'd never say that Volvo was such a cool brand. Mm. 
you know. And, um, the V90 is pretty much would sort all my needs for the next <laughs> 10, 15 years if I can yeah, afford one. I, you know, they're, little they're, they're details cool again. They really are cool. And I'm really excited about what they're doing for the future. But I hate like this marriage between PSA and Vauxhall and Opal. It, it's almost like if Candy bought Indesit, it's that interesting to me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's nothing. And and those sort of brands, obviously, there's a there's a, um there's a, there's a demand for their product, and they do, but they don't make money. I don't know how they survive. No. They don't make money. So yeah. and that's what and sales go down. And sales go down, but they have such power and. I, I don't like that. I, I, you know, if it, I, I do like brands like you know the smaller brands. I do like Volvo. I think they're they're really cool. Volkswagen have their spurts of fits and spurts of coolness, and then they go back to dull again. And I do like them, and they're quite. And obviously, with the other brands that they've run, they've generally done a good job with most of them. I would say. So that there's mm. this there's, there's some sparks out there, but that's what I don't like is you know that that kind of conglomerate shareholder led product. Too big businesses. Yeah, yeah. I hate Almost. what they did to Saab. Let, let's let's make a committee thing. <laughs> yes. Almost, Here's isn't it? And, it's, and, and, and we will take the personality out, out yeah. of it and stuff. And and that's that's a trick that I think the um, the car companies have got to uh, have got to address, and they have got to be careful. With, it, it's um, all about experience as well. If you're buying something, it doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter whether you're buying, you know, I suppose a watch from me or a or a car from Peugeot or a car from Ford or whatever. It's the experience thing. Once you fall in love with a brand, it's great. But these people are not giving mm. the experience either. They just want to sell thirty cars a day, forty cars a week, whatever it is. That's the only thing they yeah. do. And, and absolutely, that- we're being told by the car companies that brand is so important that they want to be, uh, particularly with connected cars. Mm. They're talking about how they want to be. Uh, the the go to place for all our transportation needs, whether it is actually a car or a car share, yeah. or you know whatever um, a map or whatever it is. Some of them have got quite grand um, uh, gra- grand dreams and ideas about this. You go, but if you can't get the brand, as you were just saying there, the brand experience right, there's no way I'm going to download your app and then go. You know what? I want your recommendations for mm. restaurants locally. Yeah, no. Rather than go to Google. Yeah, or whatever. yeah, or whatever. You're right. And I think a lot of car people at the moment are okay. Everyone has to look at profits, and everyone has to look at what what's commercial. You can't ever do something. Yeah, you know, like, absolutely. But, but then Vauxhall did try and do the Adam, and they failed miserably with that. Because they just tarted up a car which was commercial and put a few bits on it and thought that people would be stupid enough to pay 15 grand for it. So they even got that bit wrong. So um, marketing men shouldn't be running, uh, although they should be running campaigns and they should be doing all the PR and everything else, but they shouldn't be where the likes of Saab were with design, although Saab lost money. So that's that's mm. thrown my argument out the window, but it'd be nice if that came back again. And I, I, I see it in Volvo, actually. I see that it's it's design led and it's led by passion, as well as a bit of yeah. money, and it's becoming commercial. And everyone wants to engage with with Volvo. Ten years ago, if you said you want a Volvo, I'd say you're, you're having a laugh. Now <laughs> I would go out and buy one and be very proud to do so because I think they're bloody cool, you know. So yeah. um, so it's it's nice when people's passion shows as well, you know. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely, I agree with you. I agree with you there. Okay, then next question, which is, uh, what has been your favourite car to drive, and why was that? What has been my favourite car? Okay, um, <laughs> no surprises here, but it's my Porsche Cayman. 
Um, <laughs> uh, and I've driven some amazing Porsches. The Porsche. The Porsche Cayman. Cayman S. <laughs> <With a> capital <laughs> yeah, T. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, um, it's 2007. It's a manual 3.4. It's done just under 40,000 miles now in 10 years. So it's... Um, You're not driving that Well, enough. no, I have been driving it a bit more recently, but I've, um, you know... But what, it, what I like about it is the balance, firstly, the drive of it, the fact that you can leave it for three weeks, get back into it, it starts, the fact that you've got two years' worth of uh, gaps between each service, the fact that it does 30 miles per gallon, um, you can drive it down to the south of France and be comfortable. You can stick it in Castle Coombe and it'll do all the corners. Um, it's touch wood has been absolutely solid with reliability, with build quality, everything. But it gives you a, a smile every time you get in it. I mean, I've driven, actually, I've driven a Bugatti Supersport 1.8 million euros worth. I've driven, um, you not, not you name it, because I'm not, I mean, you know, I've been in some nice stuff and been a passenger, <laughs> but I've been in. Some, I've driven some amazing stuff, you know, f- f- mm. most Ferraris, Californias, and V12s, and I've, I've owned a couple of them as well. But each one of them had their flaws. Each one of them had their problems. Each one of them, you know, I mean, if you ask me what sensible car I really enjoyed and I really enjoyed having, I'd probably I still remember with massive amounts of fondness my Passat GL5. You know, topic the estate. It was an eighty-seven mm. E registration before the squarer ones came out in the late eighties. It was, yeah. um, I, and it was, it was, it wasn't an expensive car. I think I only paid about two or three thousand pounds for it at the time. Very low mileage, but that GL five engine, I used to absolutely love it because it was, it was such a talky engine, two liter five cylinder. So that one really sticks in my mind as well, actually, because there were no flaws with it. There were there was mm. no problems with it. It was reliable. It was good. It was practical. So that one sticks in my mind a lot. Um, I've had more expensive cars, so I bought a brand new Discovery, which probably spent out of the four years that I had it about two and a half years in the garage, broken down. So mm. you know, and that's a more expensive oh, yes. car. But that one, when it drove, it drove nicely. But I, the, the experience was ruined because it was just was it was rubbish. For uh, you know, Ferrari California, I had for a, a short while. I had an Aston Martin Rapide, which I wouldn't drive. I'd actually prefer driving my Fiat Punto at the time instead of the Aston Martin because it was rubbish. It was absolute junk. I had to keep it six months because of the the finance deal that I did. But the minute that six months came up, I got rid of it. It was just absolute junk. So it's not about the money. It's it's not about the, you know, the more you spend, the better it is. Um, and okay. A Porsche is, is quite a special product, but you could spend three times as much as that, which I did do, and I hated them. But every time you get back into the, the Cayman, you, you get out and you think you feel like a rock star the way you, the car flatters you and how it drives. You know, it, and, and to this day, I still, it's the best car that they make. It's the best everyday car, non GT, obviously, or anything like that. It's, if, you, if you had the money and you went into Porsche and you said, I want to buy the best car you make without having to be on a GT list or a 918 or something or whatever, then the Cayman GTS is the absolute best car they make. And if you're in the market to buy well, something which you can drive every day and as well as go to the supermarket and be low-key and all the rest of it, the, the GTS is the best car they make. 
regular listeners will be bored of me saying whenever somebody mentions the Cayman that I reckon that is the best looking car in the range yeah. that they do it exactly the yeah. that is it, it the proportions on that are phenomenal the curves are gorgeous yeah, yeah. I just think it is the best looking well one, one of the things the I keep hearing on on Twitter in particular is when are Ferrari going to build a Dino when are they going to build a Dino well I tell you what Porsche have been making a Dino for the last 10 years and it's fantastic and it's uh, it's accessible to most. I mean, if you put um, I don't know five grand deposit down, you can get one for about five or six hundred five hundred pounds a month, which like is a lot of money, mm. but it's not ridiculous amounts of money. You know, if you had to buy yeah. a Ferrari, you put five grand down, you'd be lucky to be paying two and a half thousand a month for that. Whereas you can get a good entry level Cayman or entry level Boxster, or you can go out and buy one for for cash for ten thousand pounds, and they're still mm. fantastic cars. But like I said, everyone's saying, when's the Dino coming out? Well, actually, Porsche will be making it for 10 years. And that was the uh, actual ethos of the, of the Dino. It was a cheaper, mid-engined, accessible sports car. And it was smaller than the rest of the range. There it is. And there's the Cayman. And I think it, I really do. And a lot of you know, 911 snobs say, oh, you've got a Cayman. You know, yeah, because I absolutely love driving. I came out of a Lotus and I love handling. So, um, yeah. and that's what I bought it for, not for top end or anything like that, because I'm not a, a boy racer. I get to, if I get to a hundred on a track, I start bricking it. <laughs> so, so I'm not a boy <laughs> racer, but I do love B road bends and, you know, and it flatters you, it flatters you so much. So I would say that's the best car I've ever driven. The, the Cayman and I, I've got the first generation one. So, um, and I refuse to drive the later ones cause I know I'll fall in love with it. Um, well, uh, I, I have said to Alan off air that if Porsche um, ever feel that our podcast is uh, somewhere worthy enough for them to loan a car to, that I will physically fight him <laughs> for the Cayman. He can have any of the others, but the Cayman is the one yeah, that I the will. The Cayman is amazing. We'll, we'll, we'll be bare-chested in the pub car yeah. park over that one. Yeah, uh, No absolutely. problem. That, that Cayman, I, I'm a big yeah. fan. Anyway, sorry, before I... D- gush too much That's about right. the Cayman. Um, what has been your least favourite car to drive, and why is that? It has to be the Aston Martin Rapide. The expectations were high, and it exceeded anything that I thought it would bring. And I absolutely hated it. It was, it was the the handling was awful. The ergonomics, the 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 space inside. The gearbox was awful. The uh, electrics were, u- u- well, they weren't useless, but they were, weren't very sort of intuitive. Uh, the sat-nav, I'd never used it because it never worked properly. It worked sort of 10 minutes after your destination when you arrived. So it, it was probably the most disappointing car I think I've ever, ever driven. Um, and I've driven, um, I've driven Fiat Puntos and I love them. I, th- I think no one does small cars better than Fiat because that, that's intrinsically what their DNA is. And I think they do brilliant cars. The 500 is an, is an amazing car. Um, my mum has a Honda uh, Civic over in India, and I love it. I think it's absolutely focused on what it does right. Mum's of a certain age, obviously. She doesn't want it to break down. She wants everything to work, and it does exactly what you should, should be doing. Whereas the mm. Aston Martin Rapide promises this grandeur of you know, cut as a sort of cruising and burbling of the six litre V12. And I tell you what, you get into it and it's, it's just awful. And I wish I could fall in love with Aston again, but I can't because I don't believe they've got any product that I'm, I'm, I even remotely want to get into anymore. 
Um, hopefully when Mercedes and AMG get involved even more, maybe next year and the year after, they'll start producing stuff that actually is nice. But I, I think the Aston Martin range is probably the most underwhelming range of cars I've ever probably driven. And I'm even comparing that to Kia's <laughs> and Fiat's, you know, because you have mm, expectations. Okay. And if, if you're expected, yeah. to expect, if it doesn't meet your expectation, you immediately don't like them. So uh, it's sad because I love the brand. And I love what they stand for, and I love the Britishness of them, and I love the fact that you know they have so much history and great racing history with the DB4s and the DB5s and the image of obviously the movies and everything else. But I don't know where they're going at the moment. They're just—it's disappointing, really disappointing. But the Rapide is probably the worst car I've ever driven. Okay, uh, well, not to not to dwell on bad subjects, then <laughs> I, I'm going to move on to uh, uh, what car would you like to own next? And this can be. Uh, this can be something I can afford, or this can be, you know, money is no object. You know, there's there's no no holes barred on this one. I don't like all these money, no object type cars. I mean, there's a lot of sort of um, bravado and ego behind, you know, two million pound Ferraris and 900 grand Porsches and carbon covered McLarens and all that. I, I, that stuff really doesn't do it for me. Yeah, but there might be a very special car from 1974 that you're after which might be a bit expensive yeah yeah so. you're right actually i hadn't thought like that actually i was thinking more new than old no 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 it's, it's carte blanche whatever you like blanche, is it? Mm. the thing is if i'm going to buy a car i want to use it and i don't want to use it as a pressure okay. so i won't say the obvious to ferrari 250 gt short wheelbase because you'd look at it you'd own it but you wouldn't be able to take it out every day sort of thing so there's there's no point in saying something like that because it wouldn't do anything for me but if 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 i had the money I would commission someone to rebuild a Mark One GTI. I think um, it was mm-hmm. one of those cars that I never got round to owning because I didn't have the money and I couldn't afford the insurance. I always dreamt of owning one. I remember my cousin had a series of about six or seven of them in the row, in sort of early. I think it was eighty-one or eighty-two, and they they were like little rockets. Um, I, I've been in the market to, to get one for the last year and to find one. But every time I get to one, you've got some sort of space cadet at the other end who thinks it's worth twenty thousand, thirty thousand pounds. In which case, you can't drive these things every day. So if yeah. if money was no object, but the fact that I wanted it, that I was able to drive a car every day and put the dogs in the back and not 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 care about it because I do care, look after my cars, but I want to use it. It'd have to. Yeah. I think it'd have to be a Mark One GTI. I'd love to be able to get back into one of those again, with a great history, unmodified. Um, you know, the correct cloth, the correct steering wheel. Ideally, the Mark One campaign models with the Pirelli um, alloy wheels on them, so the, with the P on there, um, mm-hmm. as in silver. Not that you've thought no. this through. <laughs> In silver with a campaign cloth. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> and if I could ever get one of those, especially in Lassa Green or Silver. Lassa Green's my first. If I could get one in um, Lassa Green with the campaign, that's that's what I want. <laughs> and that, and okay. if I sat on my drive, I'd be I'd, I would be thrilled, absolutely thrilled. Excellent. Okay, then. So, what's your favourite road to drive on? Um. I've driven, let's say, I mean, I haven't done, you know, all the Stelvio stuff and all the other things that people do on various really nice looking tours. I've not done that because generally I've either been 
you know, I've had to get somewhere quickly or I've had the kids in the back and the dogs and you just want to get there and, and not do it sort of thing. So um, I, I do enjoy the roads around where I live, actually. I live around Windsor and there's roads that go into sort of rural areas like Winkfield and, um, and sort of pockets towards down sort of um, – it's sort of all the way down to Goodwood. When I, whenever I drive to Goodwood, mm-hmm. I do enjoy the back roads around there, especially around the back of Godalming. There's some really nice roads there as well. Um, I do enjoy those in sort of whenever I go down there. Um, I do like, I prefer the B roads. A roads, okay, you know, sometimes you get a good one. Most of the time you're stuck behind traffic. Um, and I, uh, yeah, the A roads are now early morning roads, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're just, they're just no, nothing. Just particularly of a weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, and motorways, I absolutely despise. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. I just, you know, they're just not. You go to a motorway in Germany. You go to a motorway in Switzerland. Actually, the Italian autostradas were quite amazing. I drove down from uh, Turin to Monaco, and I don't know whether you've driven that route, but there's a really, it's a very, very spirally route through the mountains down into Monaco. That I did at two o'clock in the morning um, about 10 years ago, and that was amazing. Oh, wow. You were only hitting 60 or 70 miles an hour, but you felt like you were doing uh, you were traveling a lot, lot faster because the bends came to you so quick. So it was really nice coming out, and it was the only thing that kept me awake, actually. I had a, a lovely coffee on the Autostrada, <laughs> uh, the auto, whatever they call them, the... Um, the, the A, I can't remember what they call their, their services over there, but um, Autogrill, right? So I stopped out of an Autogrill at 12, and I'd left here in it just about 11.30 to 12 o'clock, got a double shot of espresso, and I drove all the way down to Monaco, and that was one of the nicest drives I ever did, actually. Like I said, we weren't hitting big speeds, but it was it just you were engaged the whole time you were on that road. So that Well, that's it. If anyone from Highways England or Highways Britain are, are listening... To avoid people falling asleep at the wheel, make exciting yeah. roads. There's Couple your answer. It's not, it's not speed cameras. It's no. not having cameras inside the cabin to go, oh, you're nodding off. It's make the roads interesting. You know what you need on the there M25? Forget all the uh, intelligent highway thing with the cameras and stuff. Stick oh, a chicane. Smart motorways. <laughs> Stick a chicane every mile. <laughs> so you've all got to break into it and come out of it. That'll be, um, well, I don't know. So I think that'll probably baffle most people, but that would keep me awake and that'd keep the speeds down as well because <laughs> it'll be interesting to come down into third and down to 50 and then power out until 70, obviously, and then, then go to the next obviously, one. Obviously, yeah. yes, of but, course. There are no speeds above no, 70. No, no, no. So, <laughs> and actually, I, I generally speaking, and I know, you know, you, we all see the, the odd idiot on the, on the road. I think generally people are traveling at 70 to 80 anyway because modern cars, you don't feel it so much. And I think no. anything beyond that on a public road, uh, genuinely, I think is idiotic. Um, and well, the problem is you, if you are going quicker than that, the chances of you reacting to someone else being stupid mm. are that much less. Because that's what we're all doing now, isn't it? We're driving along, particularly us in this corner of the internet where we like driving we're interested in driving we pay attention to our driving generally um we are worried you know we're we're it's almost defensive driving we're doing because we're and we're waiting for someone else to do something a bit silly. one thing that's got me and i've noticed it more as i as i get older is people's awareness is becoming lower and lower they're less and less mm. aware so i was driving out of london on the m4 you come out of the elevated section you come onto the m4 where it goes into three lanes there's one of the um, internet 
taxi people on the outer lane of the motorway. <laughs> the two lanes are completely empty, but he's on the he's on let's call it the fast lane or the outside lane, and he's mm. doing seventy miles, sixty-five miles an hour. I flash him out of the way. He brake tests me, um, and I'm thinking, well, what do I do now? And then eventually he moved over. And the minute that I went past him, I obviously moved into the first lane, which was empty because it was one o'clock in the morning. He then went back into the outer lane. He was overtaking nothing, but he went out mm. into the outside. And I see that because my son lives in London, so we go there quite often, probably once or twice a week. And then I've got a lot of work in London, so I go there during the day. I see that happen so often where people come out of the outside lane, go into the middle to let me go by, and then go back into the outside lane despite the fact there's nothing that they're overtaking. People's awareness is is has gone through the floor, I think. And, uh, and I yeah. think people need to be trained about awareness and be told. And, and we need to have people policing that because it's all very well us complaining about it, but we, we can't do anything about it. And generally, you get yeah. abuse if you do say something about it. So there's no, sometimes no point in yeah. doing it, you know? So, um, yeah. Yeah. so, yeah. And we're breaking the law if we undertake. Exactly. You know, they're not. Exactly. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, next question. What is the most pointless optional extra you've had the misfortune to experience? I had a conversation about this last week, actually. And some people <laughs> sort of agreed. I think most actually agreed secretly, but they didn't say anything. Launch control. What is the point of launch control? Please, anybody want to, meet, want to tell? In a road car. In a road car. Yeah, sorry, in a road car. Obviously, not Formula yeah. 1. So you're sitting in your Porsche, and you've got launch control, and you're on the King's Road. What are you going to do with it? What's vital? Um, you're on the racetrack. Vital for anyone, <laughs> for all the Instagrammers yeah, exactly. and all the rest of yeah, it that are watching. It's, it, you, it's a must-have accessory for the, for the idiots who drive up and down Stone Street. But you're on a track, right? You're on a track day, and you've got people in mixed abilities and the mixed car. So there might be a GT3, and there might be a, a Ford Focus RS. There might be a Golf R. There might be a, a Fiesta ST. And you've got launch control. And you come out of the pits with launch control where there's people running, walking around there and, and they're doing what they're doing and there's cars coming out of the garages and you, you, lose, you use launch control. How dangerous is that? Mm. I do not understand why people, why uh, Ferrari did it first. I think it was the Bravado thing. Although if you did it more than twice, it blew the engine up or something. So you can't do it more than twice. Porsche refined it and made it more <laughs> usable. And I still have this argument with Porsche because I spec'd up my new Porsche as a manual and not a PDK. And the sales guy said to me, oh, but you lose launch control. <gasps> they said, well, you, you, you lose launch control. And I said, well, what, have you ever used it? He goes, no. I said, what do I want it for then? He said, I don't know. I said, yeah, exactly. You don't even, you might go to the Porsche Experience Center. Yeah, and how, how much will you charge me for? Exactly. Well, PDK is nearly, well, actually it was a free option on, the, on my car, but, you know, usually it's just under £3,000 for PDK. And why do you want launch? Who uses launch control? If you're on a track, it's frowned upon. If you're on the road, you'll be arrested or you'll kill someone. Well, it's it's only there for people who make YouTube films. Yeah, isn't it? it's only for Vmax or or uh, the, that, uh, that kind and, of event. You know, or, or 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 the the car program that's on BBC Two or the one that's on Amazon. It's it's only for that now because you know the us us mere mortals we can't do it. We can't use why, it. Why 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 we'd do be illegal. I don't understand. Heated seats, okay, it keeps the wife happy, that's good. You know, dimming <laughs> rear mirrors, that's convenient. Um, Xenons, obviously, I think I won't smoke a car without Xenon, so I think they're very useful, they're very good. Launch control. <laughs> what? what are we going to use it for? <laughs> Nothing. 
Okay. No, that's that's the first time we've had that one, and it, you make a very good yeah. point. If this was Room 101, um, that would be I, in I the bin. I would be very <laughs> tempted to throw that yeah, in. Yes, exactly. quite right. Yeah. Okay, then, uh, penultimate question. Uh, uh, who do you think I should talk to after speaking to you? Not right now. Um, I no, realise no. I've just seen the clock, well, I and I have. That. I am keeping you up. I tell you, actually. who's really cool, and who's doing a really good job with what he's doing, because um, he's really put a lot of his knowledge and his effort and his passion into place, and he's. Re- I think he's doing a fantastic job. Is a guy called Tim Hutton. Um, he runs mm-hmm. Private Motor Club, and he's a magazine. And Tim. Honestly, I, I don't believe he's a British national anymore because he's abroad every single week doing something, and his content is just cool in the magazine. Is he not the chap that de- that organises Auto Tweeter? He used to, yes. He doesn't do that anymore. Yes. Yes. No, I have. Yes. Uh, I think I've met him briefly once because I, I went to one. Yes. Yeah. I went to I one, was at one last year. I think it was in Soho or something. Um, but it was in the, the final throes of him sort of giving it up, and there weren't. I don't think there were too many people there, so I left after about 20 minutes. But uh, his focus on Private Motor Club, which is a fantastic magazine. Other magazines are available. But, but, <laughs> but what he's doing is really cool. And what he's doing is he's got an eye of the old motorsport. He's got the, the eye and the head of a gentleman driver. And I think what he's, what he's doing is content online and what the events that he does and the people that he knows and how much respect he has. And a quiet – he just gets on with it. He doesn't shout. He just gets on with what he does. But what he's doing is is really creating some really nice content. So if you're going to speak to somebody, I would say Tim Hutton. If he talks, he'll probably okay. talk five words and then you'll be done. But but the stories he could tell you about what he's doing, and if you can get him, I'm sure you can get him to talk. But um, give him a beer. I'll come to have a beer before he comes on. He's he's really he, he actually I, I said I'd buy him a beer because he did something for me at the Tour Auto Auto in um, in France last week. He got a photograph done for me and it was oh, it was epic photograph. And um, so I owe him a beer. Um, but he, he's he's an interesting chap. And what he's doing quietly, he's not shouting about it. He's just doing it. And I think he needs a little bit more. Well, he's he's obviously got recognition from from people who already know him, but I think he could do with a bigger audience and a bigger. He, he could do with telling his story to more people because it's fascinating, and what he does is okay. really cool, really cool. Excellent. Well, I'll, I'll look into that and I will add him to to my yep. list, uh, and I will, um, as Alex Goy put it, I will release the badger. It's I think that's copyrighted <laughs> by Alex Goy now. I will Alex release the badger so cool. on him. Hi, Alex. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's a thoroughly lovely nice chap. Guy. Guys. Yeah. One of the nice ones, um, actually. One of the nice YouTube guys, actually. And, and yes. good content where you where you engage with it. You know. Yeah. Engage is really yeah genuine. really cool really nice guy. If there's anybody younger or someone who's thinking about doing YouTube or creating content, watch Car Faction. Yes. That is an excellent way to learn the right way to yes. do it. Yes. Yeah. Rather than oh my god, I'm driving the new car and they've got it free and I've got to make a complete scene. For the next two days, yeah. he just—he's just cool. Yeah. He just does it, and he talks your language, yeah. you know. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay. Um, well, this is the, the the last question before I say thank you very much and and allow you okay. to go do your seventy-two hours of work <laughs> in two hours and then sleep maybe. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what are the best ways for people to follow what you do? Uh, you've mentioned Instagram. 
You've mentioned Twitter. Which which Twitter <laughs> would you like in the show notes? Well, I, okay. So I started an anonymous Twitter feed because I, I didn't really want it to be about me or anything called Autopap. And the only reason I started mm-hmm. that, and that's where yeah, I found no, you. Wrong. Well, and it was meant to be anonymous, and but and so many people know, and they put two and two together, and they know it's me, and um, you know they know who to abuse now rather than just giving it to somebody who's who's faceless. And I started that only because of the stuff that I was doing was so I thought cool. I thought I'd just share my pictures with people, and mm-hmm. you know that one gets probably a million uh, up to a million impressions a month at the moment. So it, although it's not a massive amount of followers. It gets a massive amount of interaction and everything they do. So that's quite cool. So if you want to follow what I'm doing and what I moan about and what upsets me, all to do with automotive, nothing to do with, you know, takeaways. <laughs> all the silly people in yeah. London with their silly cars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I papped uh, an Austin Maxi in Knightsbridge the other day, just off Stone Street. So that's the kind of guy I am. You know, you won't, you won't get a modded out, wrapped by somebody ferrari for me you'll get you'll get an austin max in in nice well, I, w- I was in london the back end of last year yeah. i i think actually we were at that same auto tweet up it's just i didn't realize that you were there All right. and especially if you left after 20 minutes um and during the couple of days i was down in london because it's very very rare for me to be down in london um i found a volvo 340 oh, cool not far from the saudi embassy cool. took a picture of that and that by far got so much retweets favorites <laughs> interaction compared to and then i was going well here's an aston here's a bentley no, you know no, here's all no, the you other don't do that in london. crazy I mean, that, that, no no, that no. and I then did, this volvo 340 and everyone was like yeah, that's, that's amazing it's so like the austin maxi yeah. i think i got 30 retweets yeah. on the austin maxi you know and know. it was just behind harrods it's, and there was harrods in the background so it looked really cool <laughs> you go, yeah, I'm in the right corner of the internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's that's the kind of thing. So if you want to follow me with my automotive stuff, um, that's probably the best one to sort of follow there. I do have a personal one where I talk about anything from politics to food to designs that I'm working on, inspirations of stuff, anything around me. It could be anything from a, you know, a tree to a walk to the dogs. I love dogs. I love animals. I'm a massive animal activist. Um, people probably don't know that, but I actively get involved with a lot of charities and a lot of anti-hunt groups and stuff like that so i'm a, a lot of you're a bit tad busy at the moment. well you know animals are you know there's a there's a I'm, I'm very very passionate about it to the extent i've rescued animals over in india and stuff like that so i talk about a lot of the stuff that i do on that on my personal one, which is lotus man 70 and then obviously the watch one which is a Moligato oro Omologato ORO and that's the watch company and that tells you the people we get involved in the designs that we currently have um mm-hmm. on my personal one going back to Lotus Man 70 you may see snippets of what's coming up and I might leak a design on there for about two hours and then take it off sort of thing because I like to get a bit of Ooh. feedback and then I'll take it off so I often do that on that one you are very good at the tease yeah. <laughs> you are very I, good I've done tweets at one o'clock in the morning and I thought let's just see if anyone sees him what they say about it and generally sometimes you get the odd one or two and then I take it down by about three o'clock in the morning and think, no, I don't want to, I don't want to show anybody yet. So um, I, I do that often. <laughs> I did that with the Vicec a week before it was launched. Uh, no one saw it. And if you look at tweet impressions, I don't think anybody looked at it. But I often do that there just to get some sort of feedback um, to see whether anyone actually sees it. And if they do see it, what do you reckon to it? And then I'll pull it away again because it's not in such a big, it's not such a big account. There's not many followers on it. 
but there are some interesting followers on there, some really cool followers on there. So um, actually, I hate the word followers, contributors, I call them. So I don't have followers. Jesus had followers. I have contributors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have contributors. So people are contributing all those media. So, um, yeah, that, that, so that's quite an interesting one. But only once in a while that I do that. So. Okay, what's the um, the handle for your Instagram? It's at um, Mulligato Watches. Okay. And that, that one will be very active. I, I, I fly in at 5.30 tomorrow. The drinks party in Monaco is at 7 o'clock. Um, so I should be putting snippets up. Well, I will tweet that one out yeah. if you don't no, mind. No, go for it, Because yeah. this is going to come out in a, in a couple of weeks, yeah. uh, this show. So cool. uh, you'll have been gone... You'll have partied hard <laughs> uh, and all the rest of Two it. Two drinks and I'm on the floor. <laughs> you, you'll, have, no. you'll have found out uh, how he, how Mr. Prost sorts his suspension out. Yes, for, the, for these um, expensive watches. If it is him, or well, maybe it's John Lissy, I can't then. remember. <laughs> one of those two, one of those two. Okay, um, I will obviously put a link to Omlegato, uh website. Yep, thank uh, you. For anybody uh, to go and have a look at the uh, stunning designs you've got oh, on there. Too kind, uh, thank and, you. And uh, get an idea behind the uh, the stories as well. Yeah. And um, it, I I think, uh, is there anywhere else that anybody needs to, do you think, or is that, does that cover? No, that, that covers everything. I mean, I, um, I have Instagram as a private Instagram, but that one, I only have it for family. So I don't advertise okay. it and I don't. If I don't know you, you right. won't. Well, we you won't, won't get access. You on so, yeah, that. You, there's no access to that <laughs> unless I absolutely know you. I, I, I don't allow anyone to just follow me on that one because it is very much family orientated. That one is so. Well, I think that's it. That's an important thing. For as much as we're all in the public eye to a certain degree, because we are doing these things in public, mm. it is important to have have uh, an area where. Not everybody can see everything. Well, it, it's, I've got family all over the world, so we all like to know what we're all up to. So, um, And that's why yeah. I keep that one. So it's all good. Yep. Good. Uh, right, well, th- th- this just rounds out. I mean, I've just seen the time and crikey. Uh, thank you so it's much right. for talking to me. I mean, I, I didn't really realise until about 15 minutes ago what the time was because I've been having a, such a blast <laughs> talking to you. It's It's been... It's been brilliant, and uh, I, I think, well, I personally could carry on talking to you for hours more, um, understanding that you have work to do and get Yeah, no, I've, I've got, you know, I'm, sleep maybe. I'm handing tomorrow, out watches to tomorrow. the team tomorrow uh, for the race on Saturday, so if anyone's watching the race, or if you've, two weeks' time, if you did watch the race, look out for the red wrists, uh, wristbands, and all the uh, the team members for the Mahindra Formula E racing team. So I'll be doing PR stuff this Saturday. So uh, I'm going to pack those tonight and make sure they're all ready for the team. So that's what I'm going to go and do now. What time is it? Actually, we probably don't want to say it now, do you? <laughs> it's 10 to 11 at night. Oh, is it? <laughs> yes. We've, we've talked for two and a half hours. Joking, um, really? <laughs> the editing might not be quite that long, no. but it won't be far no, off. No, okay. So... Um, Thank you, thank you so no much worries. for this. Uh, like I said, it's it's just been an absolute pleasure. No worries, anytime. Uh, it's brilliant to talk to someone who's so passionate, uh, but in a very genuine way about what they're doing. Um, wow. That that was that's been <laughs> lovely to to hear. So uh, thank you, thank you for your time. No, I'm I'm honoured that you asked me to come on. Actually, I was, I'm really flattered. So thank you, appreciate it. And there we have it, the end of part two. Thanks once again to Shami for coming on Rearview and chatting to me. I hope you found our conversation as fascinating as I did. If you want to suggest someone I should ask to come on this show, please do get in touch. If you use the hashtag RearViewPod, we'll be guaranteed to see it in Motoring Podcast Towers. If you'd like to get in touch with me directly, search for Crack Windscreen on Twitter. 
And if you like to keep up to date with motoring news, opinions and car reviews, go try out the sister show, which is the Motoring Podcast. Remember, you can support the Motoring Podcast in a couple of ways, all of which are available at motoringpodcast.com forward slash support. And this all helps with what we produce. I would also really appreciate it if you could tell others about the show. I want as many people as possible to hear these great stories from these wonderful people. So until next time, that was Shami Kaura, I've been Andrew Clues, and safe motoring.